When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. The Browns 19-17 winners over the San Francisco 49ers here at Cleveland Browns Stadium, which is where we are sitting recording this podcast right now. Uh, we're going to do three big things off of the game, and then we're going to offer up our final thoughts from the game as well here on this podcast. So, Mary Kay, why don't you start us off? You know, I'm, I'm going to go defense. This defense just played lights out, played with their hair on fire. Uh, you know, there was a little pregame scuffle. Martin Emerson said uh, they poked the bear, and they were really loaded for bear in this game. And they held Kyle Shanahan's offense to 215 yards. Uh, that is the fewest in his games as head coach of the 49ers. Jim Schwartz has his number, 8-1 and one against Kyle Shanahan. I didn't think it was going to hold up again. I really didn't. And it almost didn't, of course. We know that had rookie kicker Jake Moody made the 41-yard field goal at the end, the whole narrative would be different. We would be talking about the breakdown at the end of the game and what are they going to do if they have to start P.J. Walker again because he threw interceptions. But, uh, you know, the story of the game really is uh, all the wonderful things that the defense did leading up to that last drive where they almost gave up the game-winning field goal. And you just can go stat by stat, and there it is. It's yards, it's points, 17 points uh, from an offense that had been giving up 33.4 points that had been scoring 33.4 points per game, uh, averaging over 400 yards. They held them to three third downs. This team is dynamite on third down. Uh, so yeah, this, this Browns defense is setting some historic marks, and I think you can say they're for real. So I feel like, it got lost a little bit um, after that Ravens game because obviously that game didn't go very well for the Browns. The defense had a really bad second quarter, but I thought sort of buried in that game, there were still signs that like that was an outlier, that the Browns defense was still dominant, that yes, the Ravens exposed some things, but if the Browns cleaned some things up, they were going to be back to being that team. And I think today, Ashley, was an example of them getting back to being that team that we saw in the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think, too, like, when you look back at the Ravens game, and like you said, Dan, like, so much of it was just that second quarter, right? It was really two drives in the second quarter, and they actually came back out in the third quarter and rebounded quite nicely. Wasn't it only, I know you wrote about this or mentioned, like, seven they, yards? They gave up seven yards, up yeah, seven in yards in the third quarter of that game. So, like, that's one thing, and I think Lamar Jackson is maybe just a bad matchup for this team scheme and how it's built. So when you have a quarterback like Brock Purdy, who's not like the same kind of dual threat that Lamar Jackson is obviously, but is really good at processing quickly. The Browns have played those kind of quarterbacks before um, in theory, right? Like Joe Burrow is that, for example, even though the Bengals got off to that slow start and they've had some success. But I think like what we're seeing is even when those maybe cracks started to show, 
they seem to find that way to just move past it and rebound and learn from their mistakes, and they don't really let it bother them. It never felt like this week when we were talking to guys in the locker room that they felt overwhelmed by this moment. It actually felt like the opposite. Like, Mary Kay, you wrote the Grant Delpit story about what is it, that they're going to have to come in here and come, beat, come, come home, come to our house and beat us, basically. Um, and I think that just is throughout this defense right now. They know who they are, and they stick with it, kind of regardless of what happens around them. They're not going to cater to another team. You know, I think, uh, you know, important thing to note, too, about that Ravens game is the fact that of those 28 points, 14 really came mm-hmm. after interceptions by Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, and including a 10-yard touchdown run by Lamar on the very next play, after um, you know, after one of those interceptions, and that just doesn't help your defense. That does not help your defense. And the same thing kind of happened again today, where they had an eight-yard touchdown that happened right after an interception return to the eight. So, um, you know, so the defense has been put in uh, some dire straits at times. I mean, can you imagine? We're talking about a defense that has played with a rookie quarterback and then a guy that just got called up from the practice squad on Saturday. And yet, uh, the defense put on a very, very dominant performance today. And again, uh, you know, a little bit of luck at the end. We, we have to admit uh, that they had some luck at the end, and this would be, uh, you know, just a completely different vibe if they had slipped to two and three on that field goal. So uh, they really need to you know, to buy Jake Moody a ham or something. <laughs> 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 Do you imagine if Jake Moody just had a ham delivered to the 49ers facility, care of the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> um, there were two instances today where I, I really felt like Kevin Stefanski kind of got out of character and decided to just trust the defense. And that was the fourth and one at their own 43. I feel like Kevin was really fighting himself wanting to go for it. And if fans will remember, that was he called the timeout. He sent on the punt team. Harrison Bryant tried to draw the Niners off sides, but he originally sent out the offense before the timeout. And I feel like there was a part of Kevin that really just wanted to go for it there. And, you know, the Browns were up 13 to 10 at the time and, you know, kind of try to not put the game away. It was a little too early for that, but really take some more time off the clock. And then I thought the field goal to make it a one-point game. You know, it was fourth and long when he kicked that field goal. I'm pulling it up now. So it was fourth and 21. Maybe you're kicking that anyway. But I do feel like that's a that's still a decision you have to make. Like, do you go for it there because the field goal doesn't give you the lead? Or do you just kick the field goal and hope you get the ball back? And I thought those were two instances where Kevin said, I trust my defense to get me the ball back. And I think that was important. I, know, I mean, Greg Newsom after the game said that, um, you know, they, they kind of take pride in that, that their head coach put trust in him. Yeah, he really does trust Jim Schwartz. He trusts his defense. And I think everybody today really trusted Jim Schwartz against Kyle Shanahan's offense. I mean, they just, uh, for some reason, they have, um, you know, Jim has his number. But I do also think that, you know, it is important to note, even though we don't want to diminish anything that they did today, uh, the 49ers did lose Debo Samuel uh, in the in the first half to a shoulder injury in this game, one of their best weapons on offense, a multi-purpose weapon that they use. The Browns had a game plan for him running the ball, catching the ball, doing all the things that he does. Uh, and then they lost Christian McCaffrey in the second half. So when push came to shove at the end, 
you know, they didn't have him on the field. And they still got in position to kick the game-winning field goal. So, you know, I, I think that we do at least have to note that those two guys were missing. But you're right, Dan. You know, I, I do think that um, that Kevin Stefanski trusts this defense implicitly and loves this defensive crew. Okay, Ashley, what uh, what are we doing here? Things to, was, to <laughs> takeaways? What do we call them? Whatever. Was, what's yours? Wait, what was technically the first takeaway? Was, like, is that the, def- the defense is awesome, basically. Yeah, that was also like kind of mine because it's what I wrote about, but switching gears to what I'm going to be writing about, I guess. I thought like when we talk about obviously that, you know, PJ Walker comes out here, it's not perfect. He gets the job done. I thought he was really helped out by his receivers today for the most part in some key moments, particularly Amari Cooper. He had that nice 58 yard catch, which Dan, it wasn't the longest pass play. Long, but, longest pass play yeah. of the season. So, far, so yeah. he had that play. Most of those yards came after the catch. He had that catch in the third quarter, along the Browns sideline where it's kind of funny to hear him talk about it because he doesn't seem like one of those guys. He doesn't like to be in contested catch situations, not because of the competition aspect of it, but because he thinks if he's doing his job correctly, he should just be wide open and shouldn't have to jump over somebody to get the ball. But he made the catch. He had the field awareness to get both feet in bounds. He kept some drives alive. You know, David Bell here, in the fourth quarter on that drive with the Dustin Hopkins go-ahead field goal. He makes the big fourth down catch, falls forward to keep the drive alive. I think those guys made some plays when it counted. Kareem Hunt in the past game had some really, I think, vintage Kareem plays today. But, you know, I do think even though there were no receiving touchdowns, that Amari Cooper especially is kind of the standout to me, given that he talked after the Ravens game about feeling like he and the receivers didn't do enough to help Dorian Thompson Robinson in that game. I mean, the flip side of that to defend them is like, there's only so much they can do as receivers, but it felt like they stepped up and did what they could to really help PJ Walker today. Yeah. So I'm still a little worried about this receiving core mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we can't really judge it that much after of, off these last two weeks. I'm still a little worried, but I will say this. I am not worried at all, Mary Kay, about Amari Cooper. No, you cannot be worried about Amari Cooper. If you get Amari singled up, which it's really amazing that anybody would leave him in single coverage, but they do. And when you do that, if if he's on an inferior cornerback, and this is not the best uh, group of defensive backs in the NFL that the 49ers have, Um, You know, they rely heavily on their front to wreak the havoc and make this defense go. You know, they have some deficiencies in the back end. Um, And the Browns took advantage of that. And Amari certainly uh, was able to to make those two enormous catches uh, that really, really helped out a lot. And he's having a a tremendous season. And he just played with his third quarterback in five weeks. (laughs) And you know what? He said during the week, it's just my job to catch the ball. It doesn't matter who's throwing it. I just have to catch the ball. So he really focused on his job. Uh, You know, he made the catches that he needed to make. And I agree with you, Dan. I'm worried about this receiving core. Um, Now, we're going to have a a better feel for it when Deshaun, I think, gets back. But when Deshaun gets back, Deshaun might have to knock off the rust again a little bit. I mean, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe he'll step right in, uh, you know, and and the Browns are hopeful he's going to play next week against the Colts. They're hopeful about that. Kevin Stefanski wouldn't say that he's hopeful about that. He's still saying they're taking it day to day. But the organization as a whole 
is hopeful that he's going to make it back for next week against the Colts after missing these past two games. But I still think that there, you know, that there are issues with the pass catching core. And if you look at even, you know, you look at if, like, guys like Elijah Moore, he caught four passes, four of seven targets for only 19 yards. You've got David Njoku. He hasn't gotten really on track yet. Um, but again, I think some of that is the quarterback situation. And, you know, I'm thinking it's going to get somewhat better when Deshaun gets back in there. I still think they should look around for another receiver. Yeah, and like to me, Amari Cooper is the example here of like, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. If you're a good receiver, you're going to get open and you're going to at least make some plays. Um, and we just, we haven't seen enough of that from these other guys. Um, and Amari Cooper is just, you know, I don't know how many notches, but he's just some amount of notches better than these other receivers in that room. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers from today to kind of piggyback on what Mary Kay was saying. Amari finishes with 108 yards on four of eight targets. The next two highest players are not receivers. It is Kareem Hunt and David Njoku, who both had 24 receiving yards and caught three passes. And then, yeah, the, the Elijah Moore thing has just not manifested itself out there on the field the way that it had materialized in the preseason. They need to figure out, I still think, how best to use him because of his size, because some of these little end-around looks are not really working, and I worry about them running him into the ground. But that's on top of, you know, look at the rest of the receiving board. Like, Marquise Goodwin hasn't really got going. He missed all of the preseason, so I'm sure that's part of it. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones has made, like, a handful of okay catches this preseason, but he hasn't had, like, that quintessential big play game that he's had in the first three years of his career yet. Um, you know, a, another tight end, Jordan, we may, talked a lot about Jordan Akins this offseason. I think maybe he's a guy who would be helped when Deshaun comes back. But even when Deshaun was out there, he hadn't really made many big plays yet. I don't think a lot of this stuff, like best case scenario, has materialized the way that they hoped it would. And, and again, not to relitigate the whole DeAndre Hopkins thing, but this is why we were so, I think, adamant that like you have to explore those kinds of things because something like this can happen and you're in week five and it's like question marks after Amari Cooper. Okay, so mine is, you know, pull back the curtain here. I had, this was the first game this season where I've had two columns going at the same time at the end of the game. So we have to write these zero stories, right? Mary Kay, you do the gamer. Ashley and I usually write some kind of column. Um, you know, all of us have to have something up right after the game. Sometimes what that means is you have to have like one column for if they win and one column for if they lose. And that's what I was doing today because it felt like, oh, they're going to lose this game, then they were going to win. And so whatever. Um, the one that never saw the light of day was basically saying, yes, the Browns are two and three, but this game wasn't going to tell us a lot about them that we're going to find out. We're going to really find out about this team in this next stretch of games, uh, where they play five of seven on the road. They've got two division games. They've got some teams that they should beat like the Colts, the Cardinals, um, the Broncos, the Rams. I mean, these are teams they'll be favored against even some of those road games, I'm sure. So we're going to learn a lot about this team in five of the next seven. But Mary Kay, because that kick goes wide to the right, I actually think we learned a lot about this team today. I mean, they were, you know, from the fight at the beginning to the way they played defense throughout this game, they were really physical. They were tough. This game really kind of showed me something about this football team today. Well, you know, what we know now 
is that the Browns have a pretty darn incredible defense. And again, they are set, they are coming up with some historic numbers. They've given up uh, the fewest gain, the fewest yards through five games since like 1970, I think it is. Uh, and that that's pretty remarkable. So, you know, we do know that. That's one thing that we kind of had confirmed for us today. But there are concerns. There are concerns about the offense, and you just can't keep asking your defense to bail you out and bail you out and bail you out over and over and over again. Now, hopefully for the Browns, they will have an offense that will soon be able to keep pace with their defense. We don't know yet. We don't know yet how that's going to go. Um, but I would have to think that Deshaun Watson is going to perform better, a lot better than P.J. Walker's two interceptions and Dorian Thompson Robinson's three. That's five interceptions in in two weeks. And what we do know is that the Browns have now lost the turnover battle in all five games this season and are still three and two. And that's remarkable. That speaks to how darn good the defense is. Yeah, and that, like the reality of this is too, if, if we want to talk a little more about the offense, is like, like they still don't have Jack Conklin. They still don't have Nick Chubb. They're not going to have any of those guys back. You're hoping they'll get Joel Batonio back, but they, and we don't know if we're going to see Tennessee Deshaun Watson or if we're going to see Cincinnati and Pittsburgh Deshaun Watson when he comes back. So there are still a lot of questions about this offense, but I just think these, this next stretch of games, Ashley, even though there are some tough, like they have Baltimore, they have Pittsburgh there are some opportunities for this team to like take a breath and hopefully kind of get right against some of these teams. Yeah. I mean, it probably starts with next week against the Colts, right? Like who aren't going to have their starting quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who had gotten off to a really strong start. Um, But of course I don't think you can overlook anybody because this Colts team without Anthony Richardson did beat Baltimore just before the Browns had to play the Ravens. So I think that you're right. Like, you know, who knows that Seattle game, that's obviously a tough place to play as well. But I think it is a chance they have to take, especially these games like Indianapolis against these teams that they are just clearly better than, you have to win. And that's what they did against the Titans. Ideally, you have to win, like, convincingly, too. And I know that every time the Browns win a game or lose a game, it's overreaction time, (laughs) right? But... When you see what they did today to what is considered to be arguably one of the best, we know this, the, one of the absolute best teams in the NFL that you would expect uh, to be deep into the playoffs uh, at the end of the season, uh, and they just went out and took it to them. And I think it means that if they can get their offense on track, that this team can beat anybody and will win a lot of games this season, and they they could definitely make some noise, and this would be a scary defense to have to face in the playoffs. I mean, I mean with this defense, you have to look at it and say, like, this is an opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Like, if they're going to play like this against that 49ers offense, and if they're going to play like they have all season, and there, there's a stat going around that they've allowed the third fewest yards uh, since 1970 through five games, like you are starting to get to the point as the trade deadline approaches where you've got to look at this and say, this defense could be historically significant and we can't waste that. Like, cause you don't know how many years, like you, you think this defense is just going to be good for a long time, but 
you don't know. Like, this is the NFL. This is football. You just don't know how things are going to play out over time. So if this continues, they got to look to be as aggressive as possible at this trade deadline and make sure that they're ready to make a deep run if they do make the playoffs. You know, one other thing real quick is I was not as as impressed with the 49ers defense Mm -hmm. as I thought I would be. I mean, I I just, I did not see the, uh, and this was a, you know, a practice squad quarterback that they were playing against. I mean, I, I actually thought that they would make it impossible for him to function. And so from that standpoint, from the talent level of, of that defense, you know, it's probably, uh, you know, even more remarkable that, that P.J. hung in there and did what he did. I thought Kevin did a good job today, too. Mm-hmm. We should certainly give, give Kevin some credit for the game plan today and, and the job he did having this team ready to go um, in this one. Okay, let's take a break, and then we're each going to throw out one more big thing from this game. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, uh, our final thoughts. That's what we call it. I'm just calling things whatever I want. <laughs> We're just making it up as we go. Our, our final thoughts here, um, who wants to go first? You know what? I'll go first. As I mentioned before, the organization believes that Deshaun Watson is coming back for the Colts game. They believe he's in a good spot with the bruised rotator cuff. Now, as I reported on Friday, he has to be pain-free. And he has to be throwing normally. As long as those two things are happening, then they will throw him out there against the Colts. Is it going to be the right decision? You know, it, it really depends on if the pain is gone. Because you do not want to take the risk of further injury in that shoulder and having him out be out for an extended period, period of time. So they do need to err on the side of caution. They need to be very, very careful about that. But... If he is truly pain-free and he can rip the ball with no problem whatsoever, then it's time for him to go back out and start playing some football. Yeah, I mean, it's such a tough balance. Like, you you don't want to push him too far. But there does come a point where even if there is some pain, and maybe even if he can't throw it quite like he normally does, you probably do still need to try and get him out there as long as it's not going to endanger him, you know, like for the rest. You don't want to throw him out there for one game and then lose him for 10. But if you can... Get him out there and keep him healthy. Uh, at some point, they just got to bite the bullet and put him out there. Yeah, I mean, I do think so much of it, and I've talked about, like, the rotator cuff injury and how it can impact throwing motion and, like, what exactly it does and how it can make, you know, guys more prone to underthrowing people. So I do think if that's what is going to be happening, when he starts throwing and he suddenly goes out there and is underthrowing all of his pass catchers, then that's a problem, and then you do have to look more at his arm motion and how he's starting that throwing motion and where he's holding the ball. Um, so I do, like, I, I do, when Mary Kay explains it like that, totally get why that is and why you want to make sure he's, like, pain-free or as pain-free as possible because when you start hindering that, the results aren't going to be there anyway. So it's, it's a tough balance, and I think that's why you kind of have to exercise caution. All right, Ashley, what do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go with, I guess, since we haven't talked about Dustin Hopkins, Dustin Hopkins, because he missed his first field goal attempt today, and then he rattled in four straight like it was nothing. Um, I need to find the kicking page quick, but he did obviously have the go-ahead score here for them in the fourth quarter, and I just think, again, it just kind of underscores they went out and got Dustin Hopkins because they wanted a veteran kicker, and 
You know, he's a veteran kicker who hasn't maybe had the best deep ball as of late, but he's been doing a pretty good job with those 40-plus yard kicks here, including today. And, you know, I just think it just shows how far that they've come over the last, like, couple months with deciding to move on from Cade York because I would not have felt confident in Cade York to make that 29-yard kick or however far it was. It wasn't that far of a kick, but just feels like night and day. And then obviously seeing Jake Moody go out there and, you know, hang one wide right after missing one wide left earlier in the game. So I definitely think that Dustin lived up to what you want in your kicker in a game like this one. Yeah, Mary Kay, that had to be a difficult decision for Andrew because, look, he put himself out there. He took a kicker in the fourth round. That's a really high pick. Now the San Francisco's kicker went 99th, so that was even higher than uh, – than Cade York, but we know Andrew doesn't like to give up on guys. But, you know, Kevin even gave Andrew a shout-out in the, in the post-game press conference, giving him credit for going and getting Dustin. Even though Cade was missing, that had to be a difficult thing for Andrew to do. But the Browns had that sense of urgency, and they made that move, and it won them a game today. Yeah, all you have to do is look at the end of the game and Jake Moody missing the 41-yard kick. And I'm sure that anyone still here watching this game, which was everyone, uh, <laughs> uh, had to be thinking about Cade York and how this could have been a completely different outcome for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he would have had to stand up there and try to make that 50-yarder and, uh, and other big kicks. So, uh, you know, they, they did what they had to do. Again, it was a tough decision. They don't like to give up on those draft picks. Um, but, you know, you just have to give credit to everybody involved including Dustin Hopkins, and I think also Bubba Ventron, because there's something about Dustin Hopkins uh, that, like, he's kicking maybe better than he ever has before. I don't know what it is. This isn't the right place to be doing that, uh, especially in the rain. Uh, but but he, he pulled it off except for that one miss, and he's a huge reason they won the game. Um, we talked to the kicker today post game. It was like the first time we've done it in a long time. Yeah. It's, it feels normal now. This this kicker just feels normal. We're not talking to him after every single game. Um, okay, so I need a ruling on this. Our buddy Nate in the press box said I have to take a victory lap. I don't think I deserve a victory lap, but I deserve like a half like speed walk lap around the track. I did off the record, kind of on the record, predict an 18 to 16 Browns he win. To me, out at practice, so I did hear him say this, and I and I mentioned it on the pod, even though I didn't make it my pick. So do I get like a half lap around the track at a brisk pace at least? It's kind of just like a missed opportunity to me. It yeah, it's like. a missed yeah. opportunity, Dan, because I told you that you, you did. needed to go with your gut, yeah, she did. and that it would have been a you know it really would have been a gutsy pick but when you feel that you gotta go with it no so i'm not i i don't think i can give you the the full victory lap no not even like a half just a half lap at a brisk pace just a walk no No, because you didn't go with your it's actually the opposite yeah (laughs) we're gonna berate you for not going with your gut because mary Kay and i went with our guts and we both thought you did and we were wrong but actually i wrote my post game column about i accept being wrong and i'd rather be wrong that way than wrong the other way and pick them to win and look too much like a homer because there was no logical football reason and 
you know, today, for example, even Amari Cooper got asked about everyone doubted you. He's like, well, they were 5-0 and and we were 2-2, two and two, so that <laughs> seems like it would be kind of a common sense pick coming into this one. Yeah, plus with a, a yeah. practice squad quarterback <laughs> right. who just right. got called up yesterday. Everything was coming up so, 49ers until it wasn't. Yeah, so Dan, no, I'm sorry. I, I, you don't get the victory lap. I, I, I mean, you I, get the fun it was stupid. noble for you to have this gut feeling. But you gotta put it somewhere. You gotta you gotta back it up. You gotta you prove have, it. It didn't happen. I know. You have here's the other reason why I I maybe would have budged on this. If you did not have three separate <laughs> opportunities right. at making picks, you could have made one of them it just for fun. You yes. have the podcast, you have the written pick, and you have our video pick. You picked the Brown Sullies on all of them. Didn't happen, Dan. So it's kind of a cool little anecdote that you said 1816 minutes <laughs> ended up being 1917. But Mary Kay and I are shutting the victory lap down. Wow. I did. I threw it. I, listen, I threw it out there. I didn't think I was going to get berated for it. But all right. I just wanted to make sure. That That's I, like saying, I don't know. I kind of think of a better example I blame, before I say something. I blame Nate for this. I, I will say this. I do think like this could be one of those games that we look back on and say this was kind of the sign of like, oh, the culture is a little bit different here. Like this is, again, I just loved the toughness. I loved the I love that they fought back at the beginning of the game and just are they all like attacked the 49ers sideline. I just and you know, you're right, Mary Kay, if that kick is two feet to the left, we're talking about a loss. But I, I just do think the way they came into this game with their plan, with the practice squad quarterback, their physicality, kind of that attitude. I, I thought it meant something. I will see how they bounce back. We've seen them win games like this before. But maybe not against this type of opponent. But I thought this was a big step forward for this team. It really was. But think about this. They went three. Now they're three and one at home this season, which is fantastic. You do want to defend your home turf, and they're doing that very well. But as we have been saying, they are now going on the road for the next five out of seven games. And this is going to be the true test of how they can handle all that travel and all that adversity that comes when you have to go on the road that much. So there's a grueling stretch coming up. Yeah, five out of seven, including a game in Seattle, which that's a physical tough team too, so that's going to be another good test for them. Um, And we keep saying this defense has stayed relatively healthy. They haven't been hit like the offensive side of the ball has, so that's just another kind of thing to note there. Um, Okay, Browns winners 19-17 to here at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Uh, That'll do it for this edition of the post-game podcast. Sign up for Football Insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Find us on YouTube, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com, and then also find us on Instagram, Orange and Brown Talk. Uh, For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.